The following message was preached at Flint Hill Baptist Church. We would love for you to join us on Sundays for life groups and worship, or on Wednesdays for adult Bible study, kids, and youth activities. For more information, visit flinthill.net. Have you got your Bibles? Open them up to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. When my heart's full, and I'm just, uh, just very thankful. Uh, so thankful. I had the joy of sitting down with a couple of folks just prior to the service uh, this morning. And it's just, uh, it's just a joy to see how the Lord working in person's life, drawing him to himself, and just seeing how, um, even in a, in, a, in a very simple way, you can call upon the name of the Lord and you shall be saved. I mean, it's just a beautiful thing when God knocks on the door of a heart and you open up that heart unto the Lord. It is a beautiful thing. I hope we never get tired of seeing that. Um, but in those moments, it just reminds me of God's graciousness for this, uh, for this sinner that stands before you today, this heathen that came to know Christ many years ago and uh, certainly doesn't have everything figured out on this side of heaven. Um, uh, as that old preacher said, old Frank Lewis said, we're just a bunch of mud balls, right? Treasure in jars of clay. And, uh, and I want to tell you, he is a treasure. I hope you know that. I hope you know Jesus is a treasure uh, not just something you're going to get to meet one day, but I'm talking about right now, right here. To God be the glory, right here. There's no greater joy, no greater treasure that anyone has than the treasure of knowing Christ personally as our Lord and Savior. Uh, it's just a beautiful, glorious, delightful thing. I, I, I will tell you this, I, and I'm not trying to chase rabbits, but man, my heart's full. Uh, but we do have a work day coming up next Saturday. I know some of you folks are going, when's that work day? Well, it's next Saturday. It did make, yeah, thank you. Uh, thank you. Um, it, it just gives my heart joy. We had one of our young men come up to me and said, uh, said Pastor, what time is it getting started? I said, 7 a.m. 7 a.m. Praise the Lord. It just makes me feel good, man. There's going to be at least two of us up here at 7 a.m. <laughs> next Saturday. To God be the glory. Uh, I, I, I know that's not true. I know many of you will be here as well. And I will say this, our goal, we have many goals on that day. Uh, and, I, and, I, and, I'm, and, I'm, and I'm just saying this now because I will forget it in a little bit. Um, but if you have a pressure washer, then please bring that up here next Saturday. Uh, we we want to clean up a lot of places around here, sidewalks and so forth, to God be the glory. Uh, we just want to be faithful and good stewards of what God has blessed us here. Uh, I do have a room that needs to be cleaned out. Uh, it's the old choir room, uh, but uh, uh, for all its many purposes that it might become, it is... Uh, it was turned into like a storage area, but we're going to reclaim that in the name of Jesus uh, because we need more Bible study space on Sunday morning. I've already shared with one family for sure, and I'll share with others that we need to begin other opportunities to gather together uh, to study God's Word. Again, with that, the, the, the folks I met with this morning, I told them it's real simple. I mean, it's real simple. If you want to grow in Christ, read your Bible. I mean, it's real simple. Come to Bible study consistently. Come to worship. It's simple. Uh, now, now, I said simple, it's simple, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a, a challenge for me and you. you know, I shared last week, I'm not going to preach last Sunday's sermon again, but man, if you want to grow spiritually, you've got to be intentional. You've got to put forth that work and hard effort, because there's certainly a lot of things inside of us and around us that want to hinder you and me to be all that God's called us to be in Christ. And I gave you that uh, uh, doctrinal statement, really, um, Neil T. Anderson uh, really puts out in his book, Freedom in Christ. And I hope you took that. I hope you take that. I, I taped mine on the mirror in the bathroom, and 
I, I don't know about you, but it's good to confess that, that I need Christ. And, you know, I'm not going to go through all that. But if you want to grow in Christ, in other words, uh, God, didn't, God didn't certainly call you into salvation to sit here uh, on Sunday morning. And, uh, and there's a greater work than just sitting here, to God be the glory. I mean, there really is. There's a lost bunch of people all around us that need, Christ, need to see Christ in us. Uh, and how does he do that? He grows us up, changes us, transforms us into the image of Christ. And then through our life, we begin to demonstrate Christ to others. Uh, it's, it's just a beautiful thing. And uh, so anyway, uh, let me get to my message today. My heart's full. It really is. Matthew chapter 6, 19 through 24. I've been sharing for several weeks about uh, why are we here. And uh, if you've been here long enough in your bulletin, there's a little mission statement and it says at the very beginning, we're here to glorify God. And, uh, and I got hung up on that for a few weeks. You know, what does it mean to glorify God? To make much of Him, to magnify the Lord. Uh, the reality is, and we saw in Isaiah, the 58th chapter, how you, know, you can continue to gather as a people and not bring glory to God. And so we, we want to be intentional. In other words, if we're going to be a church that brings honor and glory to Him, you've got to be intentional in how we gather and uh, we talked about worship and worship of Him and His holiness and His purity and making much of Him. When we gather here on Sunday, it's about the Lord, or it's ought to be, and, uh, and, and lifting Him up. Um, then we talked about last week about growing. I won't go into all that again, but today is about giving. So with further ado, open your Bibles. If you don't have them open already, Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 through 24. Now, we're jumping straight into the middle of what we call the Sermon on the Mount, uh, which is an incredible sermon. Read it from beginning in Matthew chapter 5 all the way through, all the way through 7, those uh, few chapters. But we're jumping straight in here, and I get that. Uh, we'll come back at some point and probably walk through the whole thing, but that's another story. But jumping straight here in the middle of this, in the backdrop, you've got to understand, Christ is teaching what does it mean to be a follower of Him, and there's this tension going on with the Pharisees and the religious elite about what it means to be obedient to the Lord. And so there's this backdrop always in the background here of the Sermon on the Mount. You see that. No different here when he talks about treasures in heaven. Let me just read verse 19 and following. The Lord says, Do not store up or lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy where thieves break in and steal, but store up or lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And the eyes, the lamp of the body, if the eyes are good, the whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. You're either going to hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and mammon, or money, or goods. And the backdrop of this is material possessions, and, and we see this. We're jumping right in. So when I share with you, how are we going to glorify God in our giving? Um, now, I know if some of you haven't been in church long enough, you're like, oh, that preacher's talking about money. He's talking about money. Well, yeah, I am. I am. That's a big deal. We live in a wealthy, crazy wealthy country. And, and I'm just going to mess some of y'all up right now. I'm looking at some of the wealthiest people in the world. I'm going to make sure my eyes hit contact with all of you. 
I hope you, I hope so. I'm looking hard. I'm trying to get hold of you. There's not a person sitting in here today that is not wealthy. In fact, a study many years ago, uh, most of us in this room, probably all of us, if I had to be honest, are in the top 5% of the wealth of the world right here. So when the Lord brings this staggering message about storing up or laying up treasures in, in, in heaven or treasures on earth, He's talking to me and you. He's talking about us. He's talking about the people of God. Yes, it's in the backdrop of the first century. And yes, there were wealthy people in the first century, for sure. But friend, this is for us. How, in other words, how are we going to give God glory now, right here? And I believe the Lord addresses this. In fact, He shares it in, in these multiple passages, these few verses here in, in, in several different ways. The first thing that I want to ask is, where is your treasure? I'm going to answer three questions. Where is your treasure? Because I think that's, the, that, that's really the statement that's being made here and really the question you're going to have to answer personally if you want to bring glory and honor to God. I mean, I certainly can't do that for you, but I have a responsibility before God as well to answer that question, where is my treasure? I can make it very personal and possessive. The words here, lay up or store up, and treasures that you see in your Bible uh, are the same word. It's the same word, just a different form of it. One's a verb form, the other one's a noun form. Uh, the word in, in the Greek is from thesarzo, which you get, you understand, thesaurus, which is a treasury of words. And that's the same word. In other words, a literal translation of verse 19 would be this. Don't treasure up treasures for yourselves. So the Lord's very focused here on how we respond and how we relate to these things of this earth, the material possessions uh, that we have for us. He says, don't lay up. In other words, the other connotation of this, this same word that he uses here is in the context of stockpiling or hoarding. It, it is the idea of stacking up or laying up coins like on a table. If you stacked them up across the table. In other words, uh, if you... If you stockpile wealth and stockpile money just for the sake of having it or to show your wealth or to create an environment of lazy overindulgence, that is not what the Lord would want. Now let me, let me stay here at the beginning, even though I'm looking at the wealthiest people in the world, I will say both Testaments, your Old and New Testament, recognize the right to have material possessions, including money, land, animals, houses, clothing, everything you can imagine honestly acquired. The Lord has promised material blessings upon His people that are faithful to Him. So God is not one who's saying, oh, you can't have anything in this world in material possessions. Let me, let me just testify here. Uh, some of you may or may not know for a while, for several years, I was on staff with First Priority of Alabama. And it's just a, a, a ministry that comes along middle school and high schools, try to encourage students to live out their faith on a public school campus, share the gospel, mobilizing churches, well, we were dependent on the giving of some incredible people and churches throughout this whole entire metro area of Birmingham. And, and I will say to you, uh, yes, you are wealthy, and I don't know if you understand that about yourself, but there are some very wealthy people in our communities throughout the, this whole area that love Jesus and honor God with their wealth. And to God be the glory. And what do I mean by that? Tithing 10% is just the beginning for them. Uh, they, they give generously out of how God has blessed them generously. And I, I just want to praise the Lord for you. Because I know there are people in this fellowship that are wealthy and they honor God. Yes, first and foremost with their tithe, but they even go beyond that. And they're 
generous. And when you do that, you're being obedient to the Lord because God expects us to be generous with what He has blessed us with. Let me, just, let me just say, yes, the tithe is an Old Testament principle, but Jesus affirms that as well into the New Testament. In fact, when you read your Bible, your New Testament, God expects us to be generous, to be rich, to, to, to continually look for ways to be a blessing to others around us. Not only that, but in, in Timothy, uh, 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 1 Timothy 6, 17, the Lord says He richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. So please don't hear from me today and say, that preacher just wear me out on my money or material possession. Listen, God blessed you for you to enjoy that. Uh, and, and thanks be to God. Share that with the, your friends, your family. That's good. To God be the glory. Just don't allow the wealth and the stuff around you to capture your heart. Because that's when it turns. That's when it becomes more about you and you get conceited. And honestly, it turns into uh, something the Bible would say is a sin against the Lord, where you begin to trust in your wealth and not in Christ. So please hear me. God, God is a generous God, and we demonstrate God uh, and, and live out our faith when we are generous uh, with what God has blessed us with. Um, and I know here he's talking about material possessions, and we talk about how do we honor God and glorify Him in our giving. And I'm, and I'm focused because of this passage on that. But listen, it goes beyond the money and the wealth. It's your time. It's just like the work day that's coming up or opportunity to serve at Grace Place or going visiting and somebody cooking a meal and sharing it with somebody. Your time, your talents, and your treasures. God wants us to be good stewards of what He has entrusted into our care. I mean, quite honestly, that's what drives my heart here to be a good steward. That's why we are reclaiming certain areas to God be the glory. Uh, there are rooms that need renovating. There are rooms that have been renovated. If you ever go, by the way, let me pause here. All of you that are joining me on Wednesday night in the Bible study of Philippians, we're meeting in the student room. Now you see how my mind works. You got it? All right. I mean, I'm telling you, I can have a conversation right now. Lord, I mean, it's just crazy sometimes in my own world. Um, but let me say that for all of you that haven't been coming, you're welcome to come on Wednesday night at 630. We'll be in the student ministry uh, area, worshiping the Lord, getting to His Word, and praying. Uh, so, so, so that drives me. In other words, God has richly blessed this incredible church called Flint Hill. We are so richly blessed. And so it leads us to ask the question, God, how do we honor you? How do we glorify your holy name through how you have immensely blessed us? Right? You have poured out blessings upon us, and God, we want to be uh, good stewards of what you blessed us with. Um, as a church, for certain. Individually, for certain. Don't miss that. Friend, we all are called to give an account under the Lord how we live this life. And make no mistake, God will hold each of us accountable unto Him. That's not meant to be, be something to Lord over us. That's just a reality of life. God has richly blessed you and me. And we will stand before our Lord and Savior and give an account. So the question still remains, where is your treasure? Where is it? Um, let me move on. We talk about treasures. Uh, we talk about possessions. We talk about uh, having these treasures here. Uh, he, says, uh, he said it's, it, it indicates that, that where your treasure is, your heart will there be also. Um, let, 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 me, let me kind of bring out some of these words here. Because when he talks about don't store it for yourselves, uh, treasures here on earth, uh, where thieves can break in, where moth and ro rust can destroy. Uh, he, is, he is making a, a clear statement in the first century. 
In fact, when he talks about moth destroying, oftentimes wealth was measured in part by a person's clothing. Uh, and the fabrics would have been interwoven sometimes. A very elaborate gold would have been used to, to, to hand-sewn that cloth together. I mean, we, I, mean I, I certainly don't have gold in my clothes up here. Uh, and we live in a mass-produced world where things are done. But, but it was a sign of wealth. But, but you also know uh, that moth loves to eat wool. And so in this context, he's saying, look, uh, don't, uh, he, he says, look, don't, uh, don't store up yourself treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy. He's saying that, that, in other words, some of the most wealthiest people in the first century would have had elaborate clothing but couldn't keep them moths from eating it. And it's the same thing for us today. Uh, in other words, it deteriorates. It, it, it's not going to be the same. It's, it, we, live in a, we live in a state where it's going to get eaten up. He uses the word uh, here, he says, where well, rust destroys. Uh, that word literally means an eating in your, in your Greek New Testament. I thought it was interesting. He said every other place in the New Testament is used, it talks about eating. Well, in the same way, if you know anything about rust, I certainly, certainly do. What does it do? It eats up the metal. It literally destroys it. If you don't stop it, it's going to keep on. It's going to keep on religiously, just keep eating it up. And in the same way, when you store up things here on earth, it's going to, moth is going to come in, deterioration is going to happen, stuff's going to get eaten up. You can't keep it from doing that at all. I don't care how. In fact, the last one he says where thieves break in and steal. If your hope is on this side of heaven and the treasures you accumulate here on earth, then the reality is uh, you, might, you, you might do everything you can to keep a thief out. But you can't take it with you. It's not going to happen. Uh, the energy that we put into that. He, he, when he says the word break in, it literally means to dig through. Now some of y'all probably understand this. Um, not that you do it, but you've heard about it for sure. Uh, back in the day, so most certainly back here, but not too far along in our country, people would uh, bury their valuables out in the field. In some place. And so the connotation here is this. Don't store up stuff here where thieves are going to come in and dig it up. They're going to find it. Someone might take it from you. So he's contrasting this, storing up treasures on earth to treasures in heaven. And of course, uh, when we talk about building up heavenly resources and heavenly rewards and, and, and building up things uh, in, in heaven, heaven is the absolute secure place. There's nothing that, that's going to break in. There's no one that's going to dig it up. There's no one d decay or, or detriment going to happen. Or nothing's going to eat it up in heaven. He's saying, look, don't allow your energy, your life, your time, your talents to be focused here just on things of earth. But we need to be focused on things of heaven. He goes on to point this. Um, this statement for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also, is revealing to us this morning, if you would just so open your heart to God's Word. Because it reveals our deepest motives and our desires. It's impossible, please hear me, it's impossible for us to be focused on earthly treasures and heavenly treasures at the same time. That's the purpose here that Jesus said, look, you've got to have one focus. You've got to have one desire. You've got to have one heart. He says, clearly, your heart will be wherever your treasure is. It's a revelation. In other words, God uses this to help us to see who we really are in the heart. By the way, it's always the heart. If your heart's right, your treasure's right. If your heart's messed up, your treasure's messed up. Your, your, your purpose in life will be messed up. 
A person who is right with the Lord will be generous and happy to give to the Lord's work. It's just true. Regardless of how much you give, that's not the point. The point is you'll be happy and generous with God's work. But the same token, a person who is covetous, a person who is self-indulgent or stingy has no focus on heavenly treasures but only earthly. The tragedy is when God's people become more concerned about the earthly treasure than heavenly. It really negates our testimony when we become so focused here that we're no heavenly good. You know, let me just jump to the verse 33 of this chapter. Jesus said it this way. You want to summarize the whole thing. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things he said will be given to you as well. In other words, he, he wants our focus on heaven. Single focus. Single treasure. Real, real simple here. God's principle has been the same. Y'all know this. In Proverbs chapter 3, the Bible says, Honor the Lord with your wealth. I started off this morning saying I'm looking at the most wealthiest people in the country in this world. Honor God with your wealth. The produce, the barns will be filled with plenty. Your vats will overflow. I mean, over and over again. I mean, he says in Luke 6, Give and it will be given unto you. Pressed down, shaken together, running over. They will pour out into your lap, for your standard of measure will be measured unto you. Paul says in 2 Corinthians, he says, The one that sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. My heart's desire is that we reap generously for the kingdom of God. That requires sowing generously into God's work, God's kingdom. God has so made it known to us in these recent days. If you've been around here on Sunday or Wednesday, or that there's such a, 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 a growing number of homelessness, even right around here. I know we're going to hear next Sunday about downtown Birmingham, but right down the road are people living in the woods. What is our response as a people of God? Do we turn our eye? Do we look a different way? Do we say, well, I don't know if we need to help? No, be generous. Give generously unto the Lord. And what do I mean by that? I don't mean just pour money into it. I mean share the gospel as you're meeting real needs in people's lives. I know you're saying, preacher, you're getting all fired up. I'm telling you, you can't outgive the Lord. Don't be stingy. Give generously. When God's people begin to think it's all about, no, open up the windows of heaven. He said, test me in this. Honor God with your wealth. He said, test me. You can't outgive me. I'll meet your needs before you even know what them needs are. You know, Royce and uh, Bruce are going to share testimony next Sunday. God has been so generous and so good and so kind in so many ways. Reclamation of our facilities, restoring hearts. I mean, even some of y'all could testify to the healing presence of God in your life. To God be the glory. Our, uh, heavenly treasures show up in so many different ways. But they, but they show up in a church that is generous. That is, that is desiring to honor God with all that God has so richly blessed them. So I come back to this question. Where is your treasure? I mean, it's a great question. We need to ask that. Lord Jesus, help us today to see what you have given to us in light of your, your glory. The second question is, how, how is your vision? You know, he, he makes a transition. If you see here in the Sermon on the Mount, oftentimes it seems very rugged. It just kind of rolls right to, he, on the hills of where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He rolls right into the eye is the lamp of the body. And if your eyes are good, your whole body is full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. 
If then the light within you is darkness, how great is it? Uh, that, I mean, listen, you know this. The eye is the illustration of the heart. The, the, the eye is the lens of the, uh, 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 of the, of the body. It lets light, light through. Uh, the eyes are that what we see with, and we can see clearly because the light that comes through that, we can, we can see clearly around us. But the eyes are also uh, the pathway to the soul. So we can not only see around us, but we can see in, within us, so clearly when our eyes are good, when we see uh, things as God sees them in our life. So he talks about this, the eyes, the lamp of the body. It represents the, a clear representation uh, of what? Of our heart. That is single-minded devotion unto the Lord. Um, let me say it this way. Uh, when our eyes are clear, when we can see clearly, our whole spiritual life will be flooded with understanding unto the Lord. If the eye is bad, however, it can get disease or damage. I mean, some of you know this all well. If the eye gets disease or damage, you can't see clearly through it. I mean, even my eyes are decaying. I mean, if I take them off, I know you're still there, but y'all are real fuzzy. But some of y'all understand. I mean, the eyes are so precious to us that we can see so well. But if the eyes are not good, if they don't allow light in, if we don't see them, or they get damaged or diseased in this context by sin or self-indulgence or not honoring God with our lives, then all of a sudden we don't see nothing. We don't see anything clearly anymore. And he's saying this. And what, a, what an incredible statement here. When the Lord says, if then the light within you is darkness, how is it even possible for God's people to have this happen. He's saying, if your eyes are bad, your whole body's bad. But if the light within you is darkness, how great. In other words, there even could be deception going on in our own lives personally when it comes to material possessions. It is, it, I mean, this is the real deal. We live in a materialistic world, and we, we live in, in a world... By the way, you know this, the number one advertised, marketed item in our world today, you know what it is? Debt. It is number one. If you've got a mailbox or if you've got a post office box, I'm assuming you get, I get about five or six of them a week. Want me to open up a new credit card. Why? Why do they do that? They relentlessly do it. Why? Because they want me and you to buy into that lie. And I look, I'm not, I am not, I, listen, you're, you're looking at a pastor who wants to get out of debt, personally. I, honestly, uh, Paul and I, I'm not... Say anything that we wouldn't say together, but man, we, we understand credit card debt and indebtedness to mortgage and all this other stuff and whatever. And listen, I, that is not fun to get to a, a place where you spend more than what you take in. It is not fun. It can be horrible and gut-wrenching. But listen, I'm going to make it real simple for any of us here today. I don't know if that's you, but listen, I want to tell you there's a way in Christ to be led out of that. And it starts with honoring God with whatever God's blessed you with. And I'm telling you, if you, if you, you want to hear it, you want to hear the truth, begin to honor God with your tithe. It's amazing the number of people I hear, and they say, well, I just can't afford to tithe. I'm like, brother, you got something wrong now. you got a messed up theology. Honor God first and foremost. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these other things that have been added unto you. Now, look, I didn't say it was going to be easy. It's going to take hard work, dedication. And I'm telling you, it's going to hurt some. But if you want to be free from that, if you want to walk down that road, if you want to start walking that path of freedom, financial peace, as Dave Ramsey would say, it starts first and foremost honoring God what God has blessed you with. There's no way God's going to deliver you from something if you don't honor Him at the beginning. So honor the Lord with that. Um, how is your vision? 
Do you see opportunities around you to be generous for God's kingdom? When opportunities are presented to you, do you get excited about giving cheerfully and generously unto the Lord's work? What is your vision? Because, because how you see things usually impacts the way you live. It goes back to that darkness. How is it possible that we can become so materialistic that we miss out? We don't see clearly what God wants us to do. Now, I, I hope you're with me today because this, this is a big deal in our lives today. And in the church, I'm just, I'm just talking about it in general, but I mean even here at Flint Hill. If we want to bring glory to God in our giving, we need to be willing to, be on, to honor Him by His Word and seek Him first and foremost. And in the area of money and materials and things that God has richly blessed us, I'm telling you what, church, we, we got, this is a battle in the hearts of God's people today. I'm talking about us, people that know Christ. It's a battle. But thanks be to God, there's victory in Jesus. And I, I know that sounds so preacherly to say that, but I'm telling you, there's a way. He is the way. Jesus really is the way, the truth, and the life. And you can walk in a way that's worthy, honorable unto the Lord. You really can. Now, if you need some extra help, you just pull me aside and say, hey, I can't tell you, listen, I'm not a financial planner or counselor or whatever, but I'm a preacher and I'll get into the Word and we can encourage one another and I'll share with you God's Word. And I'm going to tell you, obedience to the Lord is the step of freedom. God wants us to bring glory to Him. How's your vision? God, show us if our vision's not good today. Show us that, that if we think we're doing well, but we're not doing well, we're deceiving ourselves. That's what He's saying here in that passage. How is it possible? It's possible that we're so wrapped up in this world that we're no heavenly-minded. It's possible that we're more concerned about our stuff than seeing people saved. That's possible. It's possible that we're more concerned about what we have than giving generously to the work of the Lord and helping people that are in need. It's possible. Let it. God help us here. I know y'all are thinking, Lord, he gets all wound up. And I know, I know, I know to some people it looks so, I mean, I'm just telling you, God gets so hold of my heart. And listen, I'm, I'm right here with us. I really am. I want to be a Christian that loves Jesus first and foremost, loves people, and lives out the Great Commission. What we do with the wealth that God has blessed us with is critical. The last question is this, who's your master? Really, it's the same question done three different ways. Where's your treasure? How's your vision? And who's your master? He said, look, verse 24, no one can serve two masters. Either he's going to hate the one, love the other, or he'll be devoted to one. And despise the other. You cannot serve both God. In my translation, money. It's mammon. Material things. It encompasses a multitude of things. And that's the truth. The word master, I think, is just so poignant here in this passage. I mean, Jesus said you can't serve two masters. I mean, I mean literally, the idea is you're a slave and you can't serve two masters well. There's no way. You're either a slave to one or you're not. In the same way, Paul said we were slaves to sin. Y'all know this in your Bibles. But thanks be to God, when we got set free from sin, we become enslaved to our Lord, our Master, Jesus. Who's your Master? I'm just asking you that today. Who's your Lord? I mean, I know. I know you'll say, well, Jesus my Lord. Well, okay, praise be to God. The, the, the verification of that statement is played out in our everyday lives. Is Jesus really Lord of my life? 
Am I submitting myself unto the Lord and say, God, use me, do with me as you want, however you want? Or do I qualify it when I come before Him? Literally, by definition, you, you know this, a slave owner has total control of the slave. And in this context, he's saying, look, if Jesus is really your master, then you have one thing to do, whatever he tells you to do. So he asked that question, who is your master? And he, and he says, no one can serve two. You can't serve. And he, now he brings it down because he sees, even in his culture, believe it or not, in the first century, there was money in the first century, church. I mean, don't, don't kid yourself. They're not just a bunch of poor people. You remember when, the, when God birthed the church there in Acts? I mean, there are people from all over that area that are there, and they stayed there. Many of them didn't have, have money, a place to live. What did they do? The church just opened their doors. They had people come in. Hospitality. They're just people coming in. And, and what did this church do? They took up offerings to help meet the needs in people's lives. Y'all remember Joseph? He, he sold a whole bunch of land, brought the whole amount unto the Lord. said, here, do whatever you want to. I mean, so I want, you to, I want you to hear me. God, there was people with means and money and material possessions. But they, they, but they said this. Please hear me. There's the difference. But those material possessions are not my master. Jesus alone is. And in the same context here, I ask the question. I ask us, who is our master? How you answer that determines whether we're going to give glory and honor to God as a church, as a people of God here at Flint Hill. So when I, when, I, when, I, when I make this statement, who is your master? Where is your treasure? How is your vision? It really comes down to this. Um, church, we've, we've been given one life to live. And the life that we have to live means something in the hands of Almighty God. And God intended for me and you to live this life to bring glory. That means make much of Him so that people can see Christ in us. The generosity of God's people always awakens the lost. To, I mean, why in the world would you do something like that? I, I don't know if that's ever happened to you. Uh, people take off a whole week of, uh, of work to go, to go serve other people in another place. Some people will give generously to help people, and, and, and other people will, will hear about the generosity, and they're like, man, how in the world would you do that? Why, how could you do that? Well, you know why? Because Jesus is my master. I'll lay it down before Him, and I'm just going to offer myself to Him. Whatever God wants, I'll do. That's what it means to be a servant or a slave unto the Lord. So here, here's where we are, church. Do we really want to bring glory to God? Let's pray. Father, we're coming before You right now in the name of Jesus Christ. And as we right now with heads bowed, God, all across this sanctuary, I, I, Lord, the word that you brought today just strikes home in my heart. God, as well as I know how, Father, I just pray right now, Lord, that you would stir our hearts as a congregation. God, that we would, in this area of giving, this area of all that we have, the, 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 the wealth that you have blessed us with, Father, let us be faithful to just humble ourselves before you and say, God, do what you want to do in our lives. God, you may be calling us to do things that we don't know how to do and can't even afford. But that's not the point. If you save for us to do it, then we do what you tell us to do. 
God, it just rings into my heart. Who is my master? Who am I enslaved to today? God, would you just do a work in our hearts? God, I, I pray, dear Jesus, confront us, but God, cleanse our hearts, set us free. That our eyes will be turned to heaven. That our focus will be on heaven. God, in the day in which we live, God, would you stir our hearts to be generous, to give for the kingdom of God to advance even in this day. God, we just want to praise you today. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Stand with me, church. As you stand, we're about to sing a song. And this is a time where we have what we call response. Invitation. It's a time for you to declare publicly if you want to, you know, God's leading you to, to, to this church to unite with this fellowship. To God be the glory. If God's uh, uh, leading you to give your life to Christ, you come. Some of you have given your life to Christ and you know, I need to be baptized. I want to publicly profess Christ. Then you come. When Gavin begins to lead us, as he begins to sing, you come.